Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. So we got a few kind of cool things going on here. We got, uh, well, I don't know if I want to say my own thing is cool, but I talk a little bit about magic armor and uh, in OD&D with Chainmail, or as we're calling it now, cha- uh, Unchained. I think I'm calling the, the <laughs> just to confuse you all, because I change it every time, I think my working title right now is Unchained for any of these hacks, and the one that's really going to be the closest to D&D is going to be called something like Unchained Adventures or something like that. Um, the more heroic, slimmed down one is going to be called Unchained Heroes. And I'm also working on a mecha hack, so get ready for that. <laughs> I will never finish anything at this rate, but at least I'll have fun trying it. But anyways, um, we're going to talk a little bit about magic armor. Then I got a bunch of call-ins about usage dice and some responses to my uh, thoughts or my question, I guess, that I put out there is, should we use our platform to talk about political stuff? Uh, I'll put that at the end with, again, with a separation. So if people don't even want to hear what people say about that, um, nobody really says anything specifically about any political subjects. They just talk about it in general. So I don't think it should be uh, a problem for anybody. But if you don't want to listen to that part, you will be warned before it comes. In any case, let's talk about magic armor. Okay, so I'm sitting out here on my porch on a nice uh, summer afternoon. Well, it's not quite summer yet, but I just want to talk briefly about magic armor because I had we finally had an encounter where they encountered somebody wearing and using magic armor and shields, and I had to go through the rules and figure out what I wanted to do. Now, keeping in mind that shields really make no difference in troop combat, up to this point I was thinking, well, they only really matter in man-to-man. But then I looked at OD&D and I looked at the armor, magic armor list. And if you roll on, mag- on the magic armor list, I think there's eight different things that could come up, and six of them include a shield. I think three of them are just shields, or maybe four of them are just shields, and no, I think three of them are shields, three are armor plus shield, and then two are just armor, something like that. I'd have to look at it again, but a decent amount of things give you shields. So then I'm thinking just like swords, right? Shields are going to be probably the most common magical uh, defensive thing they're going to find. So I've decided that in troop-style combat, so like mass combat, wielding a magical shield... Not a normal shield, but a magical shield will raise your defense by one category. That is, if you are wearing chainmail armor, so you defend as heavy foot. If you have chainmail armor plus a magical shield, you will defend as armored foot. Trying to keep the same kind of situation going, I'm going to do the same thing with armor. So, again, the plus doesn't matter. If it's a plus one shield, a plus two shield, it's the same. So, if you have magical armor... It will boost you up one level. So again, if you are wearing chainmail armor and it's magical, you will get you'll defend as armored foot. If you also have a magical shield, you'll defend as light horse. So that's pretty simple and cut and dry and easy. We did our first combat, although we used man to man, so that didn't matter. But I want to have that sorted out. The other items that have armor class or affect your armor are a ring of protection. A ring of protection will give you the armor class of armored foot automatically. And I believe, at least at this point, I'm thinking it doesn't stack. It definitely doesn't stack with armor. It might stack with a shield. I'm up in the air about it, but I'm thinking no. I believe in other uh, systems like AD&D, magical rings of protection don't stack. So, uh, you know, so I'm going to say no, because I think that's kind of the thing that is more likely going to be worn by like a magic user anyways, who's probably not going to use a shield. Cloak of Protection is going to be similar, except it's going to give you heavy foot. And I think that one I will allow you to stack. 
because I feel like that way you could end up with um, chain mail and then wear a cloak of protection to give yourself the armored foot setup. So ring alone, armored foot, even if you wear nothing with it. If you wore the ring with plate mail, you'd still be armored foot. Cloak of protection gives you heavy if you're not wearing any armor or gives you uh, armored if you're wearing chain mail. And I guess if you want to wear it with uh, plate mail, you'd get light horse. So in some ways, a cloak of protection is more useful for, let's say, a fighter or a cleric who can wear it uh, over armor, where the ring of protection is probably most useful for a magic user that can't wear armor, period. Or just a character that doesn't feel like wearing armor. Now, I'm also just going to quickly mention that one of my players said, oh, you know, he's playing an elf magic user. Well, he's playing an elf, but he's primarily been advancing his magic user. And he was like, oh, this magic armor here, I can wear this and still cast. He's like, well, you know, the elf magic user in OD&D is really like the OP character. And I was like, I had to agree for him with him for a second. I said, yeah, I think you're right. But then as I was riding the train home, I looked and I remembered, oh, yeah, elves uh, top out at, I think it's warlock level, which means they can never cast level five or six spells. So while... That's a huge advantage for him to be able to throw on a pseudo-magical pseudo armor now and still be able to cast. And he's had a great advantage all along being able to use any weapon. If he were, had been a human wizard, then he would have a further progression, which means he'd get spells like Summon Elemental and the like, which are very powerful, of course. So, all that being said and done, I think the game tends to... I don't want to use the word balance, but kind of balances itself out as we go. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing this campaign and seeing where we go with it. And, uh, yeah. Hey, Daniel, listen to your latest episode, answering your call, answering your question. If you have three D8 for usage die and one of them is a one and the other two are five and a seven, yes, that one die would reduce to a D6. And from then on, they'd have a one D6 and two D8 usage dice. And then you could have a way from to heal their usage dice but I, I think that would be a more, it had to maybe a longer term thing or something. It should be a big deal to heal that up. You shouldn't just heal that up overnight, I don't think. Uh, but maybe you should. I don't know. I'm interested to see what you think about that. Yeah, I tend to agree there. If you're going to use usage dice for effectively hit points, whatever, it should be a big deal to heal them up. I know like in my chainmail hack here, I'm requiring one full week of rest to get any hit points back. And then you get them all back, basically. So you've got to take yourself out of play to heal up at all. And I think I would do something similar. Or obviously magic. Hey, Daniel. Jason here. You are talking about how the narrative of the, the spell and the narrative of the character is more important than the narrative of the game. And, and the idea that, you know, the player should know exactly what's happening, the usage die and all that kind of thing. But I wonder how that gels, like, with DCC. Because to me, the idea of magic being variable and uncertain kind of goes directly in with DCC, where the idea is that, you, you know, depending on your role, you might throw one mag, you might lose the spell, you, you might fail but not lose the spell, you might throw one magic missile, or you might throw 30 magic missiles, right? And so for me, I, I kind of like that variability. That's why I like DCC as well. But I mean, it's definitely different strokes, different folks, and neither version's wrong. They're, they're both totally valid. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think both styles are good. I mean, I like DCC as well. I, I think what I was saying there, I can't remember now, is that, or I'll say now, is that if you're using a Vancian type system, that is that you don't have an unlimited number of castings or potentially 
an unlimited number of castings, then I like for player characters to know exactly what a spell does. So when we're talking about a usage die, if you're, let's say, playing BX and you cast a sleep spell and it lasts X number of turns, you know, the player character should know that, at least within some variation of it. I wouldn't want it to randomly, they just wake up because you've only got that one sleep spell and you're choosing to use it at that moment. In DCC, where you can cast at will effectively until you lose the spell, that's a whole different cup of uh, tea. So yeah, I think both styles are cool and valid. I just think that sometimes we take a cool mechanic from one system and insert it into another, and it doesn't always gel, at least in you know that situation for me personally. I guess I just want to add to this that... Uh, you know, a lot of times I'm when I'm stating something here, which is probably true for most people, uh, I'm stating my general preference um, as far as things work out. Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule and obviously whatever works at your table. And sometimes things are fun for short periods of time. Um, and I should point out that when I ran my uh, one-on-one DCC campaign, one of the PCs was a wizard. And wow, the zaniest of the spells were some of the best parts of the campaign. So I do like that stuff. I just like it in a balanced way where you're not giving up your only spell slot to maybe cast a spell. I feel like that is detrimental to characters that also have other penalties, you know, not wearing armor, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that's, that's what I mean there. Cause I'm talking more of a game design point of view, not necessarily a front of the table point of view. Uh, although a lot of times those two things go together, right? You're in luck. First edition Tunnels and Trolls is available very cheaply as a PDF on DriveThru. Go check it out. You can see exactly what Ken St. Andre thought. His the original D&D Swordbreaker, the original D&D Heartbreaker, was. Check it out. The only difference between it and the actual game is they changed one of the spell names because it was offensive. But all the rules are the same. So I highly recommend you, everybody pick up first edition Tunnels and Trolls just to see what the thought process was there at the very beginning. I think it's well worth it. Very cool game. As far as increasing the number of the usage die instead of increasing the number of die for a bigger weapon, yeah, that's a great idea, and I would definitely go with that. That's definitely the way I'm going to go with the hack that you're talking about. I think it's a great idea. Hey, Daniel, Jason here. So the adding plus one, plus two to the hit die, doing the usage die, you could do it. I th- we're adding more math now. How many times I hit? Was that my second hit or my first hit? I mean, it wouldn't be that bad, but I think you're complicating it at that point. But it, it is an interesting idea, and it might not be that bad. Last call on usage dice. That pink phantom's pretty smart. I think that nut is cracked. Okay, so I got several responses to my uh, should we talk politics and use our platform here. Uh, on Anchor or any other platform and talk about our beliefs and such. So I'm going to have those now and we'll answer those and such. And I'm putting the little warning here. Like I said, it's probably a good idea for people to do. Um, If you don't want to listen to politics, although I don't know, I haven't listened to all the messages yet. I don't know that people are going to actually state any political things per se. But um, if you don't want to listen to conversations about that, then uh, I will talk to you soon. There are certain topics in our hobby which I think might be confused for politics, but they are not politics and they should be talked about. And that is an open community for all, uh, an accepting community for all where everyone feels safe at the table, Uh, no gatekeeping. Uh, That stuff should be talked about. 
definitely. Now, that being said, I think the term politics can be very broad and encompass different things, so I don't actually know what you're talking about, what um, topics uh, you were considering covering, uh, but when people do try and uh, talk about their views about certain things, which I think are questionable, it's that time when I usually stop uh, listening or watching their um, their content, just because, you know, I, I can't go back to thinking of them uh, another way again, and I generally do not interact with uh, certain kinds of people uh, in real life, so I wouldn't do the same by consuming their content on the internet. But uh, Daniel, at the end of the day, remember that it is uh, your podcast, your platform, and uh, you can do with it whatever you want. If you think that uh, you're doing something really good for the world, then, you know, go for it. Do it. Get the word out. If you think it'll help. And uh, maybe something good will come out of it. That was uh, some messages from Direct Sun uh, about what I was talking about last episode. Yeah, I, you know, I'm actually the same way. I, sometimes I, I look at a creator and I'm a little nervous to watch some of their videos or whatever based on the topics that they're listed because I also feel the same way. If somebody has some kind of extremist view that is very different than what, what I believe in, I often will not consume their content, even though most of their content doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I want to support people that have like views than I do. And I know probably some people, we'll see what people say, uh, might think that's a bad thing. Uh, it's not that I refuse to hear other views. It's just that I want to support the people that I feel like have the the general vibe that I go for. Because I think in these kind of situations, uh, you know, creators like on Anchor or podcasts or YouTubers, you are a person, right? You're an individual person and you are not some big corporation, right? So you definitely have a personality, you have a, a thought process, you, you, you believe in certain things. And in some ways you're connected. It's a strange, weird connection where we often feel like, especially in places like Anchor and things where we can actually interact with each other, where you almost feel like you're getting to know somebody. And if you feel like you kind of are vibing with somebody and then they have this view that's really off, then that can certainly turn me off from, uh, continuing to interact with them on any way. And, and I do regularly do that. Uh, I, um, yeah, this is completely separate, I guess, in the certain thing, but when I believe in something and I say something, I usually I do my best to stick to it. So uh, there are certain businesses I won't interact with because of their policies uh, and such. And uh, sometimes that and means I end up spending more money or not being able to get something that I want, but I feel like if we got to do what we got to do. So anyways, uh, thanks for responding there. I don't. I should also add, I don't plan on necessarily um, making a political section of this podcast. I was just curious because it, it's one of those things that comes up and it just happened to hit twice uh, pretty close together. Well, as far as politics go, I won't be doing it again on my show. I received a number of calls, most of them very nice, most of them constructive criticism or wanting to engage. And I enjoyed the sidebars. I went with a number of people, especially Liren, also to some degree with Arlen. Not, the, I mean, I 
I, I'm not saying Arlen wasn't as fun to talk to, but I talked to Laren more. But anyway, I, I talked to a number of people on the side, and, you know, mm -hmm. it was a good discussion. But I also received some very hateful calls and some, and some calls that mm -hmm. were just nasty. And, and I don't want to play those on my show, you know, and I don't want to choose which calls I play because up to now I haven't had to do that. And it's just easier not to discuss it. I think politics are very important to discuss, though. But for me, my gaming podcast is not where I'm going to do it. I talk politics on other venues. Um, and if I was going to do a po all politics podcast or a, po a podcast was more into politics, that would definitely be part of the pitch of the podcast. I kind of think people go to these gaming podcasts to get away from it because at least here in America, the media is saturated with politics, left and right. So I think people like to have a little bit of escape and a break from it. Not that they're not interested in politics, but sometimes you just don't want to think about that. And I think we can provide them that with our podcast. That's not to say anybody else should do what I'm doing. And I agree with you. I think if you put at the end of the podcast, you give people warning, and you feel you need to talk about something, you should talk about it 100%. Just Jason has decided I'm not going to do it on mine anymore. But maybe it'll work for you. I, I don't know. Wow, that's, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that you got kind of uh, some some call-ins that weren't very friendly. Um, not because of what you said, but just because the nature of when you give your opinion on something that people can feel strongly about, uh, you know, yeah, I guess you're giving the opinion because you feel strongly generally, right? So you're, you're it, it's a topic that is important to some people, uh, including, the, I guess, the the podcaster that talks about it. And, and I get that people, again, you say that it's escapism, they go there for that. But at the same time, if you believe strongly enough in something and you have the platform, I, I guess, are you on some level obligated, right, to, to say, well, you know, I have this 100,000 people that listen to me and this is an important topic. And are you willing to take the fallout that comes with it, right? Because, of course, out of your 100,000 people, there's going to be a certain number that are not going to agree with you. Um, and, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I mean, like I mentioned musicians before, and I mean, I've, I've been to <laughs> and I've seen recorded concerts where uh, a musician will say something political and, and the crowd will literally boo them. So it's, it's super interesting. It's like you paid $100 to go this ticket to see this person that you like, but now you're booing them. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, interesting topic. Also, I think I'm going to, I just want to add that from, because you're actually a better man than I am, that you play pretty much every message. Um, I, I mostly play every message that comes in or more, uh, more to the point, I, I mostly allow comments to go through on YouTube. Uh, so that's much more interaction there. But, you know, I think that we have to set the vibe of our entertainment, our channel, our, our community that we're building. And if we allow people to come in and cause issues and say things that are provocative, in, especially if they're things that you don't believe in, then I don't know. I, I just don't think that we should do that. And I remember early on when I was starting my channel, YouTube themselves says, you know, YouTube can be, you know, can be a problem and you need to make sure that if somebody comes onto your channel with the wrong type of vibe, 
that you need to just delete it and don't feel bad about it. And that's always been my policy. If you come on my channel and you use certain terminology, if you attack uh, other groups, whether it be, uh, you know, people who play certain game systems or people of, you know, various different differences than you, I will immediately delete that and usually block the person. Um, on the podcast, I've had several people call in with things that I didn't think were appropriate. And I reached out to them and said, I'm not playing your message because of this. If you want to resend it, then you can. And, and that's worked out as well. So I think you can work it like that. I definitely will not allow certain languages and certain things to be said on my show. I, people do not have the right to have their voice on my show. If you want to call in, uh, you make sure that you are part of the community and not trying to cause issues. Morning, Daniel. This is Taylor of Clerics Way Ringmail calling in from the elliptical. And uh, also, you may hear some treadmill in the background. One of my three-year-olds has figured out how to operate it, and he has joined me for my morning workout. So if the uh, call suddenly drops and with an oh-no sound, you'll know what happened. Anyway, talking about politics or social issues in gaming podcasts, I have made my personal position on that clear in my recent call-in episode. Suffice to say, I go out of my way not to talk about politics or social issues because I want to foster a community based on what brings people together, gaming. But at the heart of it, it begs the question, what is the purpose of the show? What is the core competence of both the host and the production? And I apologize if this message is a little disjointed. This is the fifth try of recording it. Uh, my son has found a broken broom handle and he keeps stuffing it into the elliptical. But um, anyway, on my show, I talk about gaming. I have been playing games for decades. They're a big part of my life and I enjoy talking about them, playing them, and hanging out with people who share that interest. So it makes logical sense that I'm gonna talk about gaming. Two treadmill accidents later, I have bribed my workout companion to, uh, with a juice box into hanging out in the other room. Where was I? So am I a hypocrite? because I will periodically talk about Jesus on my podcast. I will let you be the judge, but I will point you in the meantime to the mission statement of the Wobblies and Wizards podcast. The creators, uh, the primary host at least, uh, Lorgar, is a political guy. He has strong convictions and he acts on them, but he makes a point to not talk politics on the show and not endorse politics on his social media for the show because he wants to talk about gaming. Do socio-political comments occasionally creep in? Yes, and the hosts are upfront about that. It's not because they're trying, but because they recognize our political and social opinions are based on our upbringing, our experiences, and our perspective. In the same sense, uh, Christian stuff makes it into my podcast because that's part of my identity and it's something I can't really suppress. <laughs> it would be like 
trying to put on a faux voice for the duration of the episode. I just don't have the stamina. And I respect them for doing that. I respect that they want to talk about games, so they do talk about games. In the same vein, I want to talk about games, so I do talk about games. The reason I cite Wobblies and Wizards in particular as a good example is because I've had the same conversation with Lorgar, the Barbarian, the primary host of the Wobblies and Wizards podcast, and talking about should we introduce politics into our podcasts, I said then what I will conclude with now. Socio-political commentary on a gaming podcast is the dark side of the force. It leads to great power, tons of followers and retweets, lots of new friends, uh, and recommendations and reviews from people who appreciate your bullhorning of their own opinion. But it will cost you your soul. Hopefully, that's uh, not too many messages to say something so concise. Delvon Daniel, looking forward to the next episode. Okay, that was Taylor from Cleric Square Ringmail. You know, you make an excellent point, which is kind of actually what I was thinking, which is that if something is so ingrained inside of you, you know, you talk about your, your religious aspects, right? You're already mentioning it here and there in the podcast. So people following you, hopefully, uh, recognize and see that. So if you did make a statement, it probably shouldn't be too much of a shock to them, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying that people should, but that's kind of where I'm at, right? I think that, like, if you are, if you're you, right, and people understand you because you're you're giving your opinions on other things, I think that it wouldn't be too hard to track back to a, uh, a position. I actually told uh, Jason in a private chat, um, because when he was assembling the responses, I said, well, I'm going to, you know, he said, I don't know if people will want to listen to this or whatever. And I said, I, I'm going to listen because I doubt I'll be surprised. And I, and I wasn't. So <laughs> I think it's pretty easy to, to figure out where people fall. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, it's, it's one of those things, right? Do we want to risk, I guess, losing the audience we have if, if, uh, if we have a certain opinion about something that might be unpopular or, or whatever? And I guess it depends on how much, how strongly we feel about that opinion. So it's definitely an interesting topic. I, like I said, I don't plan on really doing that. I was just curious what people thought about that. So, uh, yeah, I will, uh, jump into that call-in show because I haven't listened to it yet and, uh, see what people have to say. And, uh, I've been really enjoying, I just want to add here, I've been really enjoying, uh, the blog posts. I've been, it's weird. I go through spirit periods where I read blogs versus listening to podcasts and I've been reading your blog a lot, uh, Taylor. So and uh, that wargaming channel that you uh, reviewed has got me watching a lot of wargaming. <laughs> so, thanks. Yo, Daniel. So, I mean, this is probably no surprise since you did mention me as the one of the people that have done this lately. But, yeah, I absolutely believe we should use our platforms for whatever size they are, whatever reach they have, to talk about the things that are important to us. There, you know, there are shows. We're whole people. And yeah, man, like, I, I think you should talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I don't know if that's what you were saying, but I, I fully support 
people using their podcasts for whatever they want to talk about. And, you know, if folks don't want to listen to it, they don't have to. But, there, yeah, there's nothing at all stopping you or me or anyone else from talking about the shit we want to talk about on our shows, man. Anyway, good stuff. I really like the the whole usage die for hit points discussion. I think it's been really, really interesting. And that pink phantom dude, guy's a smart feller. Peace out. So it's probably not a surprise that I agree with you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that if we, there is something really important to us and we have something to say about it, then we should definitely do it. And and I, I think it's interesting, the the idea that people, especially in free content, things like, you know, no, you're not paying, <laughs> you know, to, to listen to any of our podcasts uh, really on any level. You, you're taking what we're giving you. And if what you like is, let's say in our case, the RPG content, then you can enjoy that. And But if I have something to say, I'm not going to not say it because you may not like it. That just seems like... Yeah, a little one-sided there. Uh, but I do think, you know, giving a little bit of heads up that you're going to do that because, again, some people, it could be sensitive. That's the other thing, too, is it could be a sensitive subject for some people. And it's not even that they don't want to hear your thoughts or your politics on it, but they don't necessarily want to get blindsided by something that they have some kind of a, a connection to that could really be, uh, you know, tr- lack of a better word, triggering emotionally or, or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's uh, I still think it's a really interesting uh, subject, and I appreciate everybody calling in. Hey Daniel, John here with Terminal Goblin Games, uh, calling in about the politics and podcasting and other content. I'm personally not a fan. I feel like we're constantly inundated with the political views of everyone all the time, and I don't think it's great for mental health to be constantly drowning in it. I appreciate the thought of having a warning near the end so we could dip out if we don't, uh, but yeah, I, I believe there's too much hate and division in politics, and I want my gaming to be fun. Uh, thanks for taking the message and for all the content. Have a good one. See you, man. Thanks for calling in, John. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I definitely do. And I mean, clearly, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've said anything political um, on this podcast, and I, and I usually don't do that in any of my public platforms often. Um, and I think that's maybe the balance, right? I think that if you encounter something that you think really needs to be said, then maybe that's the time to do it. And you are definitely going to take the risk of, like Jason mentioned, either getting some not-so-friendly calls or possibly even losing followers. And I guess you have to know that, you know, that is important, you know, or that enough to justify that, to justify the chance that you may lose those things. Like anything in life, right? We make a decision and we, we, we live with it, right? So... Um, yeah, I think that's where I, where I stand on that. You know, as I said to Joe, I think that we are more than just our podcasts and we shouldn't be told we can't say something, but we should also definitely keep in mind that if we do speak out on something, we may find ourselves at odds. Um, I have in the past listened to a few gaming podcasts that do tend to speak more often about politics and I'm using that as both politics and, and social content. Uh, then I tend to want to engage with. So that definitely is something I can understand. And those won't necessarily be the first ones I turn to for exactly that reason, because I don't want to necessarily be inundated, inundated, I guess is the word, uh, with stuff like that every day. 
So it's interesting. Anyways, that's why I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's great hearing from everybody and the different points of view and perspectives. And luckily, at least so far, haven't got anybody being super negative. So I appreciate that. Thanks, guys.